Welcome to the From the Flats podcast, your destination for the latest in Georgia Tech athletics. Now, here's your host, Wiley Ballard. And welcome inside another episode. Georgia Tech football getting the set to take on the Duke Blue Devils. A few important guests joining us, including softball coach Eileen Morales, as they continue through their fall portion of their schedule. But first things first, let's speak with the Georgia Tech Sports Network Learfield IMG College radio crew, voice the Yellow Jackets, Annie Demetra, and color analyst Sean Bedford. And well, after a uh, tough loss against North Carolina, the message seemed to be pretty clear. Georgia Tech's got to do a better job uh, getting off the field on third down. Uh, they had three separate drives uh, in which North Carolina converted a third and 12 or longer, and they ended up getting 17 points out of those three drives. Do we draw any positive conclusions out of winning first and second down to get in those spots? Or is it just kind of all negative? Oh, no, I think there's a lot of positives you can take from that. And as we've mentioned time and time again, one of the easiest ways to be successful on third down is to win first and second down. This game, that just happened not to be the case. And there are clear reasons you can point to for that. For one, uh, the pass rush was not particularly effective. And two, let's give some credit to North Carolina, that receiving core and Sam Howell, who put on a really impressive performance. But I don't think that's going to be characteristic of games going forward. So to the extent that Georgia Tech can keep forcing teams into bad situations on first and second down and set them up with third and long, that's going to be a recipe for success later in the season. Yeah, and, and if you look at some of those uh, downs that Georgia Tech won first and second of a series, uh, they were able to beat blocks. And we've talked about North Carolina having a massive offensive front physically about as imposing as you'll find in the division. But guys were able to still beat the blocks, get through, get penetration, and hold these North Carolina backs to – one, two, three-yard gains and, and get them into third and long situations. So I, I think that, you know, you, you, as disappointing as it was, and by the way, have we not already mentioned that we're joined for the very first time on the <laughs> podcast by our fourth guest analyst, Bowen Bedford, future uh, scholarship offensive lineman, Sean, I'm guessing at Georgia Tech. Is that kind of how the uh, the measurables are looking? That's the way he's projecting right now, yes. Fantastic. Well, I, and, and speaking for Bowen here, I, I think the Georgia Tech – did some good things to get themselves into third down defense situations that make it manageable. And, you know, again, they, they don't want to sit in that percentage, certainly moving forward, but there's a big difference between losing third down when it's third and two, third and three, like we saw more in the Citadel game versus losing third down when you at least gave yourself a shot with third and seven, third and eights. I'd love to have Bowen a part of the podcast. Excited. Uh, he has a chance to make his debut here going into a, a tough <laughs> Tough road that, that environment. Means Wiley, has, Wiley actually has seniority over someone in this segment, <laughs> so Wiley's also excited. <laughs> it's a moment Wiley's waited for for a long time. Yeah, I got the upper hand on somebody, even if it is uh, a young man under the under, under what eight six months. Oh, he, he's eight months now. So yeah, eight so months. It's okay, so he's catching you. up on me. Yeah. Okay. You exactly. literally thought he was twenty five percent younger, uh, Wiley, by saying he was six months old. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, insulting. <laughs> anyway, was a positive there in that loss to North Carolina offensively. It's that they were able to get something going in the second half. Uh, three touchdowns for the offense in those final two quarters. James Graham uh, threw for over 100 yards, a couple touchdown passes. Offense rushed for over 100 yards and averaged over eight yards per play. What did Georgia Tech find in those final two quarters that led to some offensive success? Well, I think part of it came down to uh, the offensive line doing a better job in protection. Uh, of James Graham sort of settling down, going through his reads. I thought when he hung in the pocket and was very deliberate with where he wanted to go, he found success. Um, but, you know, I think the, the emergence of other receivers, let's not forget that Jalen Camp was, was missing for the first time uh, in this game. 
and a number of other receivers, Malachi Carter, Adonicus Sanders, uh, and Amarian Brown were able to step up and fill that role. Yeah, we've seen Georgia Tech crank it up offensively in the fourth quarter of several games this year. Not all of them have been in winning efforts. Uh, and, and they're looking to carry that over to the beginning of Saturday's game. And, Sean, I want to pick your brain, if you don't mind, as somebody who's actually played. Uh, and you know there's this old media trope about, you know, teams feeling each other out in the opening quarter. Is there a lot of merit to that? Well, I think there's definitely something to that. And, and games tend to break one of two ways early on. You either have exactly what you're talking about, Andy, where you have sort of the two teams kind of throwing jabs at each other, just sort of trying to, to feel for what the other team's going to do, try to get a gauge for how they're going to react to certain formations and certain motions and certain plays. Or you come in with a really just great game plan and you, you get them from the jump. But more frequently, it's going to be the former, where you, you kind of have to figure out what the other team's going to try to do, how they're going to play certain things. And it's really as the, the coaches get a chance to see what the other team's game plan looks like that they can make the adjustments necessary to really have some offensive success. Well, let's take a look at uh, Duke's quarterback, Quentin Harris, team leader in passing and rushing yards. He's got 15 total touchdowns in Duke's five games. Blue Devils. Three and two, coming off a loss at home against Pitt. Uh, Harris replacing Daniel Jones. That's a first-round pick, now starting for the Giants. What is his most valuable asset as a quarterback? Well, I think anytime you have a true dual threat like this, you can throw it reasonably well, who's, who's effective on the ground with his passing. Anytime you're leading your team in two meaningful categories like that, that certainly speaks to what you can do as a player. But maybe what stands out to me most is the how well he's distributed the ball amongst his different skill position players. Duke has six receivers with over 100 yards receiving on the season, and that's spread out across a, a number of different position groups. Uh, you know, a trio of wide receivers, but also a pair of running backs and a tight end. So they are really getting the ball out to a, a number of different players. And one of the things that impressed me with Harris is how well he's taking what the defense is giving him. You know, maybe not reaching for a lot of those big plays, but he realizes what each of his players can do, whether it's a guy like Aaron Young, who's good in those jump ball and back shoulder throw type situations or someone like Jacob Calhoun, who's more of an elusive, shifty guy that you want to get out in space. He's good at getting them the ball in a situation where they're going to be successful. Well, yeah, you said it, John. He's a true dual-threat guy, leads Duke in passing yards and leads them in rushing yards, a little more than 60 per game. You'll actually see, believe this or not, folks, Duke runs some triple option in certain packages on Saturday. That's something they've incorporated to take advantage of. Harris's uh, running ability, you know, he was only a 50% career completion percentage guy backing up Daniel Jones until this season. Now he comes in touch under 64%. So his accuracy has improved. I think they do a good job of, of putting him into manageable, successful passing situations. Uh, so they're not necessarily a team that's going to take the top off a of defense. In fact, they're 109th in the nation in yards per attempt, 6.3. Uh, that's not to say that they can't go deep if they see teams bunching up at the line to try to squelch their running game. But he's also a fifth-year senior. It's very rare that you have a first-year starter be in his fifth year in a program. Be so patient. And so there is that trust factor that Duke has with him operating their offense. Well, that'll do it for us. Uh, Bowen, uh, a chance, uh, Sean, that Bowen makes his first uh, road trip this weekend. Is that scheduled yet? Yeah, no, he's going to be uh, coming to his first away game. And uh, I'll paraphrase for him and say he's very excited to be making the trip. And sounds good. And then we've got ex that extra seat reserved on the charter, right? <laughs> Uh, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna go more conventional terrestrial transportation to get there. But we'll we'll see y'all up there. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Well, Sean, Andy, thanks for the time, guys, and uh, 
let's get after it on Saturday in Durham. I'm just glad that there's somebody who uh, is there to help uh, loan Bowen some bottles for you, Wiley. So that's good as well. <laughs> Look forward to seeing you, boys. That's awesome. All right. Back in a moment on From the Flats. Great seats remain for the rest of the 2019 Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets home football schedule, including clean old-fashioned hate versus Georgia. Visit ramblinrec.com slash tickets to get yours today. Thrilled to be joined by a very special guest. That'd be uh, defensive ends and outside linebackers coach Marco Coleman, also a a Yellow Jacket uh, legend here on the Flats. And, and Coach, we had a big anniversary this week on the Flats, not just the 222 to nothing against Cumberland, but actually about 30 years ago at this time, you guys got a big win over Maryland uh, your redshirt freshman season. That was a big win because it snapped a 16-game ACC losing streak. What do you remember about that game and all the hard work that led into it over those first couple of years? I have to be honest with you. I actually don't remember that actual game. <laughs> okay. But the season, um, that whole process, man, you know, um, we, we all bought into the process. Um, I was there, you know, we had some, some seniors that had had been around for those leaner seasons and things of that nature that uh, went ahead and, and bought in, and, and that's what made the change. The leadership of our upperclassmen made the difference for us to get that season turned around. So after an 0-3 start, you guys go pick up that win against Maryland here at Bobby Dodd, uh, down 14 nothing late in the first half. Sean Jones, the great second half defense, helped out as well. And then the next week, you guys upset Clemson, and then on the way to uh, what was a really strong finish in 89. And, of mm-hmm. course, uh, in 1990, it was a magical season. As far as the years leading up to that, though, I mean, I want to talk about that because obviously, you know, currently Coach Collins and, and all you guys trying to kind of begin that uh, a massive transformation. Right. Uh, what does it take to, to undergo something like that? And, and what's it like day-to-day going through that tough stretch like it was your freshman or uh, first couple of years? Well, it's definitely tough. Uh, just, just buying into the process. You know, a lot of the guys that are, the young men that are here on the team were here and recruited for a different type of scheme or, or thought process or even culture, which was the same, which was the case uh, for those guys that were here before I got here uh, under Coach Ross, that were when Coach Ross first took over. So it's, it's the patience of not only the players, but also the coaching staff and understanding it, staying together, um, not getting down on ourselves. You know? So I think that <clears throat> we can continue to do the work we have because we have some very, very strong character young men that I think will be okay. When, when you're talking to your players at practice and, you know, again, when, when things are getting tough, a couple of losses here in a row, do you feel like you have a chance to kind of relate to them knowing what you went through as a player here in the early going and, and maybe even more so because you, you had your appendix taken out, right? You're, <laughs> yeah. uh, you're a true freshman. You're like, hey, exactly. guys, a couple of losses is one thing, but you're not yeah. losing to the appendix. <laughs> yeah, I definitely understand. I mean, you know, that's one thing that I, you know, I tell them is that I definitely get it. Um, not only just my, my um, experience as a college athlete, but also professionally. Um, winning and losing, you know, you have to almost take them both with a grain of salt. And it feels a lot better to come back to work after you win, but you still have to, you know, put it behind you and move on to the next one, regardless of whether it's a win or a lose, win or loss. Um, so that's the mindset, um, like I said. But it's a lot easier to do it when you win. Um, but we still have the same, have to have that same type of focus to where, 24 hours after that deal is done, regardless of what the what the outcome. We still have to have the same focus as we prepare for the next opponent. 
Well, again, about 30 years ago this time, George Tech able to snap that losing streak and went on the way to a national championship uh, less than 20 months later. As far as this team's concerned, let's focus on 2019 right now. Uh, you work with a lot of guys, I know that, but uh, Kelton Dawson with an otherworldly performance last week wearing number 90. How much better has he gotten since you guys arrived in January? Well, yeah, I, this is the first season that Kelton's played, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, but, but the time between the spring and now, you know, on the field, he's definitely made a lot of progress, but the maturation of the young man, um, he's becoming a, a team leader. Uh, you know, it, it's, um, like I said, it, it's not just on the field. You know, I think it's, it's uh, people that get so enamored by what you see on the field. When you have a group of young men that are turning 18, 19, 20, 21, you look for them to mature. And Kelton, over the past, the, the past few months since we've been here, man, I tell you, has made, you know, un, you know, outstanding progress in becoming a, um, a young man, um, you know, more mature young man. And I think that is what's being displayed. You're seeing that on the field also with the way that he's um, been going about taking care of himself and doing his, taking care of his business. When you see young men mature like that, do, do they even know that it's happening as, as it's going on? Or is that something that only you can see with just the years of experience and kind of from a distance? I, I think they do because, you know, you're not yelling at them as much. <laughs> <laughs> so they recognize that, hey, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm not getting screamed at as often no more. Well, I must be doing something right. So, um, yeah, I think they do um, because, they, you know, all of a sudden it's a lot more praise as opposed to reprimand, you know. And so um, with Kelton, that's been the case. And, you know, with him, there's, there's quite a few other young men on the team. Uh, Coach, again, thanks for the time. And, and quickly, uh, before we do wrap up, uh, George O'Leary was on the sideline uh, mm -hmm. this past weekend, your old defensive coordinator here at Georgia Tech. you have a chance to catch up with him at all? Yes, I did. We saw him, you know, right there as we were coming out at halftime. Got a chance to give him a big hug. And I'm really happy to see him. You know, I, I tell you, man, I, my experience here at Georgia Tech, Coach Chuck Prefer, who recruited me out of school, Coach Bobby Ross, uh, Brian Baker, Lance Thompson. I mean, these guys were instrumental in not only my football career, but setting a standard of how to be a, a man. And, you know, like I said, Georgia Tech is that's, hey man, it's the reason why I'm, I'm here. Wins and losses, um, definitely want the wins yes. for sure. <laughs> but um, what I received when I was here from those men is the thing that I want to return back to the, the young men that we have in, uh, here at, that have the opportunity to be here at Georgia Tech. Well, again, in just a short time, Kelton Dawson making strides in that category as well. And, and I think that can be said for the entire, uh, not just position group, but the entire mm -hmm. program thus far. And as we saw there in the uh, third, third and fourth years of Coach Bobby Ross, the wins will follow. Yeah, they'll follow. They'll, they'll take care of themselves. <laughs> we just keep on doing and chopping wood and working like we're working and keep on building the men, the young men, um, I think the stuff on the field will take care of itself. Well, coach, thanks for the time. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Up next, we'll have head softball coach Eileen Morales for the latest in the Yellow Jackets fall season. This is From the Flats. Joined by a very special guest, head softball coach Eileen Morales. In the thick of their fall schedule, four games in the books, four wins, including a lot of runs in that time. And, Coach, you guys still have a few more games uh, left to go this fall, but what have your thoughts been about this group's first performance here in the fall of 2019? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been proud and impressed with the improvements they've made. Uh, I think uh, every day we're getting a little better, uh, trying to implement uh, some new things into our offense um, in regards to, you know, uh, 
maybe being a little bit more aggressive on the base pass, um, adding some short game and some different things in there. So just been really proud overall of their work ethic and the way that they show up every single day. You mentioned tweaking the offense a little bit. A, a huge identity of Georgia Tech softball going back decades has been the long ball. Yep. And you guys had a lot of success with that last year. Katie Cruz mm-hmm. yeah. uh, with one of the best power seasons. It's a shame she yep. got hurt that last month. Could have actually yep. you know, had a shot at some records. Yep. Um, but as far as the 2020 team goes, you still return a number of players who hit 10 or more home runs. Is that still going to be the identity for you guys offensively? Oh, yeah. We for sure, I mean, hitting for extra bases is our goal. That's, um, you know, that is going to be our identity. That's, you know, what we want. You know, losing Katie Cruz definitely, definitely uh, hurts from a certain standpoint, from a production standpoint, from a leadership standpoint. Um, but we've got some great uh, returners, Crosby Huckabee, uh, Cam Stanford, and then and then some other freshmen coming in that I think will swing some big bats. Obviously, Roper and Awald as well. But, um yeah, I mean, we, we, we're a little bit more athletic from a ability to hit for power as well as steal some bases. And so it's going to be, a, we're going to have some more opportunities to manufacture some runs if we are facing a, a, a better arm on, on the opposing, uh, from the opposing team. So, uh, yeah, definitely going to swing the bat, um, swing the bat hard and, and try to hit the, the ball long, but, you know, uh, have some other uh, tools in our toolbox as well. Joined by head softball coach Eileen Morales. As you go into the 2020 season, you guys are entering year three. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you assess how the program's uh, gone thus far? I mean, in year two, you guys had the most wins in seven years, first yep. ACC tournament victory since 2012. Things seem to be going on the right track, right? Yeah, I think we're on the right trajectory. I mean, I think, you know, last year was a little up and down, but from a, you know, from a program standpoint, we made some great strides. And and I think everybody understands the culture and the goal, and, and that goal is, you know, to be competing for a regional and, and, and onward. And so uh, ACC Championship, a regional, that, that's the focus, and that's what we're training for every day. Um, and, and, you know, we're getting a couple more pieces that need to fit into that puzzle, and, and uh, it, it's fun. And I, and I think we're really on that right track, uh, really good focus and, and motivation day in and day out. And so I'm um, really excited about where, where the team's going. You first arrived in the flats as a player uh, a little over 10 years ago now. How much has the sport grown, not just nationally, but within the ACC? I mean, you've got Duke added their team just a couple years ago. Clemson's getting started up this spring. I mean, this is a different ACC than the one you even played. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 tough, and, and that's great. I mean, I, I think there's amazing coaches in this conference. Uh, the conference continues to, to get better. Programs continue to, to hire elite-level coaches, which, again, are going to bring in elite-level players. Um, and, and it's 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 fun. It's tough day in and day out. Um, each each weekend series matters, and, and I think that's exciting. You know, when I played, there was eight teams in the conference. Now I think we're at thirteen, uh, and so it, it's tough. And to get to that, uh, to get to even the ACC tournament, you got to play. You got to play well every every weekend. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people like the SEC, but ACC softball it, it's tough and it's great and it's 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 a great um, academic environment as well. And so, uh, I love it. Florida State, great opponent. Uh, you know, and, and we're surrounded by great opponents um, in our backyard. And so, so we're going to be, our feet are going to be put to the fire. And furthermore, weekend. you've got the ACC network as well. That'll yeah. get some good exposure for, for the league uh, on the softball. Diamond. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, I think what the SEC network did for softball um, was dramatic. And to have that now for, for uh, the ACC network for softball will be huge. I, I mean, it is one of ESPN's favorite uh, uh, programming or favorite thing to put on uh, programming wise. And so, to have that uh, now for our sport and to be able to, you know, some of our out-of-state uh, parents be able to watch their mm-hmm. their daughters play and, and just the recruiting uh, reach that that'll give us is, is huge. Uh, you know, being that exposure, uh, being able to be on TV on a Wednesday night or Saturday night or whatever and, and, 
and people see that people watch that i mean we were stopped in the airport last year because people saw us on tv and so that is huge and 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 for that to help generate more interest for um for our conferences we're, we're beyond excited for it you were stopped by fans in the airport yeah or, or, yeah so not tsa no not tsa <laughs> thank you i appreciate it <laughs> uh well coaches we wrap things up uh seasonal start in early february and you've got some pretty exciting non-conference things planned, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So we are bringing back the Buzz Classic, which is, um, I, honestly, it was one of the premier tournaments in the Southeast. It ran for about 20 years straight. Uh, I think started back in the mid-90s and ran all the way through um, early 2000s. Uh, we're bringing that tournament back. It will be hosted on the flats at the Mew. And uh, one of our premier opponents that weekend will be the University of Washington. So we are really, really, really excited to have them come down here. Um, it'll be a great event, great way to kick off the season. Um, it's also Ohio, uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham, and Furman down here for that weekend. So a lot of great softball, um, you know, some, some great opponents, and it'd be great to put us, uh, put us to the fire right away. Only five months away. Uh, Coach, yeah. <laughs> thanks for your time. That's softball coach Eileen Morales getting you set for the uh, 2020 season as they wrap up their 2019 fall schedule. That'll do it for this week. Make sure to follow Tech on their way to Durham this weekend as Georgia Tech takes on the Blue Devils at 1230 from Wallace Wade Stadium. You've been listening to the From the Flats podcast. Be sure to tune into the Georgia Tech IMG Sports Network on game days for live coverage and subscribe to this channel to get the latest news on the Yellow Jackets.